Amen. 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 So we're going to talk a little bit about the benefits of meditation. We'll talk about the benefits of meditation. We are made in, in the image of God and God uses meditation to create. Now, we do not have creative ability. Okay? You are the image. You are not the original. So we really merely can copy <clears throat> what is given to us. So when God gives us words, we are able to copy what we hear and copy what we um, perceive. So we are like, uh, we we have to feed off of something. That's why we're made to worship God. That's that's how we feed off divine life. We are also made to imitate. And I know people think they're real original and they're real gifted and they're real this and they're real that. But if you think about it, we do it all the time. Um, one of the reasons that people um, tend to love one another is that we're made in the same image. And we appreciate that image that we're made from. So, uh, and, and this is why people are able to capture one another's hearts and capture one another's attention. Because we are the closest thing to God that we see every day. People are. And this is why people get fall in love with one another, fall out of love with one another. This is why we tend to be, gravitate toward one another. Uh, we like one another's company. That's why people feel somewhat lonely if they don't have human contact. It's why babies uh, uh, clamor for for attention. You know, we have our little little squealer here, and he's looking for that contact with somebody who's just like him. Uh, a pet couldn't take care of him. Like you know, no other species of being can take care of a baby but another human. And so we are looking for a human, actually we are looking for divine contact, but we settle for what we can get that's closest to it. And that's human. You got me? And so when you think about how connected people are to one another, you can understand how God uh, was able to make a successful permanent creation down here uh, uh, in heaven and in earth because everything is patterned in patterned after some image that God created so when we say we get an answer to prayer even when we get an idea of what to pray for that's a pattern of something that God knows that we need see we're only copying it you're not coming up with anything original it may be new to you because it has not been brought up to your consciousness where you're aware of it. But it's been stored somewhere on the inside of you because it comes into agreement with God. And God won't uh, honor anything that he doesn't create. He won't honor anything he doesn't create. And so all our desires are ordered by God. When you think about how we're made, say for instance, God has put gifts and abilities in each and every one of us. Those abilities are given to humanity, not just to us. 
Satan made the, the mistake of thinking that his gift belonged to him. And he turned it inward against himself and found himself stealing something from God. And so when we try and take credit for things that we you know, we have no control over, like, you know, the color of your skin, that's not something you can control. Uh, the color of your eyes, the quality of your intelligence, all of that, that stuff comes from God. And so we can't take credit for it, even though we can feel appreciative of it, especially when it draws attention to us from other humans. Huh? It's the ones we like to impress. We like impressing one another. Because in a way, to us, it's like impressing God. See, if I can get you to like me and, and, and we like each other, we feel good about ourselves. And that's a goodness that comes from a God connection. Anything that's good or gives you a good feeling in life is somehow connected to God. And so we we have to always understand that. That that image of God that's in us is very, very real. It's the dominant part of us. And if we are to, if we're going to live successfully in life, we have to understand the God-likeness in us, you know, uh, the God part of us, the part that's made in his image. So one of the things that we know is God is a meditator. He has a mind. But he's not what you would call an intellect. He has a mind spirit. They're both connected in him. His thoughts have powerful force. You know how some people want to be telepathic and psychic and all this kind of stuff and transport themselves to faraway lands through their minds. They want to bend spoons and all that kind of stuff. Well, they're trying to tap into a portion of of God consciousness that only God has. God, though, does not just project thoughts. When he creates. If he did, stuff would probably go haywire. Every time God has a thought, something would turn around and something would get crazy somewhere. So God decided to reign in his thoughts by his words. And that's what he created us to do. We reign in our thoughts by our words. So what we do every day is we have a a multitude of ideas that flow through our minds. And then by a force of our will, we make a decision as to which one of those ideas to focus on. And then we'll express what we think about what goes through our minds with our words. It's exactly what God does. When God creates, he creates by an image in his mind and he expresses it with words. So in Genesis 1 it says in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. The earth was without form and void. Darkness was upon the face of the deep. We know there's a span of time in here because he did not create anything he had to correct. He created it first. Something happened. Then he came back later and corrected it. And God said let there be light and there was light. So you need to know this. When God, everything that God thinks and says is meant to be revealed or seen. Whatever God thinks or says, or I would say says, because his saying of it uh, implies that he's made a decision about it. 
So everything that God decides and speaks is meant to be revealed. Like this whole Bible is meant to be revealed. It's, it's none of it will ever pass away. It will all come to pass because God spoke it. So he has integrity in his spoken word. He expects everything that he speaks to come to pass. Amen. And to be revealed. So he expects it to be seen at some point. Whatever he says, he expects to be seen. That includes what he says about you and about me. No matter how we think it's not for us and that couldn't be God and I don't know and all this. He expects what he says to be seen in everything. He don't, you think it really bothers him that we don't want certain things to happen in our lives. It's, it's not a problem to him. He knows how to get things together so that they can be revealed and they can come to pass. And so God desires things to be seen when he says them he means what he says he doesn't take anything back and when God desires change he always engages his word always he does not change anything without the expression of that thought of change through his word and so when when he wants to make a change in us he uses his word. Amen. And so if we are to change, there is a place where we have to use the word skillfully the way God does. So when you look at what God did when in creation, there was an idea on the inside of him that he wanted to express for the benefit of those on the outside of him. So our words are bottled up on the inside of us, create an image or form an image, and then when they are expressed, it benefits those around us. Once your words get outside of you, then they can manifest in ways that only God uh, knows how he wants to manifest, and they can prosper on the outside of you. What's inside of you can only benefit you. Once it's expressed and it's given life and it's given that life force and life expression, then they can benefit more people than yourself. That's when it starts to really bless people uh, is when we can get to the point where we meditate, make that word real, make that word alive, bring expression to it. Speaking the word is like striking a match and making a fire. Amen. It brings life to it. It brings, it ignites it. It, it brings it out into the atmosphere where it can be planted and produced and do all the things that God wants that word to do. And so the way to get that word to the igniting stage is through meditation. Psalm 119.97. This is David, Psalmist David speaking. He says, Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation day and night. You, through your commandments, have made me wiser than my enemies. 
They are ever with me. I have more understanding than my teachers. For thy testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the ancients because I keep your laws. I have refrained my feet from every evil way that I might keep thy word. And I have not departed from your judgments for you have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste. Yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through thy precepts I get understanding. Therefore I hate every false way. Now if you want to know a way to get sin out of your life and weakness out of your life and trouble out of your life, it's through meditation. Meditating on God's word will do all of these things. David says, it's made me wiser than my enemies. Got people in your life you think are giving you problems? Everybody does. Off and on we get things will crop up and meditating in the word. See, you'll either meditate in the word or you'll start plotting how to get even with people or how to resolve it on your own. We've all been there. You know, you, you hold your peace and then two minutes later you're mad at yourself for not spouting off and saying something. You know, I should have given them a piece of my mind. I'll fix them. Just wait till I see them again. Well, David couldn't live like that. He had to live under the shadow of God. So he chose. See, this is a choice you make. You either let that thing bug you and let it tear your mind up and let it start ask, you know, wait till they do something again kind of thing. You know, just wait. I'll get my chance. That's the way retaliation talks to us. But David said, my, your word, meditating on your word all day long has made me wiser than my enemies. Makes you wiser than, uh, you know, sometimes we'll, we'll want to pray for somebody that we love. They don't change quickly enough for us. Well, what are you meditating on? Meditating on the word will cause you to be wiser than they are. So you'll have a word in season. You'll have a word that will help them. You'll have a word that will encourage them. You have a word to break demonic powers over their thinking by meditating in the word day and night. You can't out meditate, uh, you know, uh, the evil unless you meditate in God. And so he says, it is my meditation all day long. It makes me wiser than my enemies. Now, an enemy is anybody that opposes you in the things that you're trying to do going forward in the will of God. So your enemies are people that that uh, hold power. Maybe it's temporary power. Maybe it's conferred power. It might be permanent power. But sometimes if they oppose you and don't cooperate with you, that puts them in that category at least temporarily could be a spouse it could be an employer it could be a credit manager at a place you're going to go do business at but you'll be wiser than they are if you meditate on God you meditate in his word if you keep that word in your thoughts day and night yes God you will open this door for me yes God I will my husband will cooperate with me my wife will cooperate with me the things that I desire in life we will partner together in because I'm meditating in your word amen and so if that if you use that word to build you up and build courage in you and build strength in you it will make you wiser than those who oppose you and and david says i'm surrounded with enemies all day long 
You know, sometimes we think that we can't do certain things because, uh, you know, people are opposed to us. I can remember uh, um, I got my start in women's ministry. And many times, you know, you would hear the same stories over and over again. Well, I can't read my Bible because the kids make noise and I can't do this because my husband wants dinner. And, you know, it's like... (laughs) You lived in a, I said, where are you living in Russia? You know what I'm saying? My goodness. It's like you're surrounded with enemies. And I thought to myself, I said, I wonder if they weren't trying to read the Bible, if they would have this complaint. You know what I'm saying? They find a way to tell them kids to go sit down and shut up. If it was, if they were on the phone, they say shut up and go sit down somewhere. The husband's never a problem, anything that they want. They can know how to talk to him so they can get that going on. All of that stuff falls by the wayside until we talk about getting into the things of God. Then we have a million excuses. But I believe that you're, you can be surrounded by voices that are against you, people that want you to do things for them and you feel like you don't really have time, all of that. But if you meditate on God, you get the wisdom for how to work it out. I remember Gloria Copeland shared a testimony that when she first married Ken, neither of them was saved. They got saved and his his mother just witnessed to them and talked to them about the Lord continually. And they both gave their hearts to the Lord. Well, after that, she realized, she said, well, I was a housewife stuck in the house with two children. And I felt like I had a lot to do. And Ken was wanting to go to Bible school. And and we were both going here. And, and, you know, all of this kind of came upon them at one time. And she said, I talked to the Lord and I kind of felt like, God, how am I going to spend as much time as I need to spend in the word with you every day? And he gave her a wisdom, which never left her. He said, if you will give me the first fruits of your day, said, I don't care what the kids are doing and how you feel pressured to get involved with them. Give me the first of your day. He said, and the rest of it will fall in place and you'll have time to spare. And sure enough, when she did that, when she offered the first to God, he made time for her to to do everything else. See, there's an order to everything in life. And if you'll get in that order, but see, meditation allowed her to get a wise answer. So she was able to get wisdom to defeat the enemy's uh, pressure against her. You know, sometimes things you pray for and things you love can get to be cumbersome in life. Life, You can't get rid of them because you love them. But you got to put them in the right order and perspective in your life or they will not flow well. And so meditation on the word will help you to get that wisdom that you need to make your life run right. And so the results of meditation are great. Number one, it makes you wiser than the things that are against you, wiser than situations that are against you that never leave. Sometimes we have problems wrapped in human flesh. You know, you love your spouse, but man, can they get on your nerves sometimes. You love your kids, but boy, do they give you a a run for your money. And so we have to remember that meditation, keep your mind focused on it is just find an answer, a scripture that answers and gives you peace in your heart and keep that with you all the time. Forget about looking at faults and looking at 
frailties and, and things of that nature. Look at things that, um, uh, need to be fixed. You know, we're great fixers of other people sometimes. We always look at their faults and, and can list them and pinpoint them to a T. But look at the things that, that God is saying about that. You know what the problem is. If it doesn't change, it's still there. It's not gone anywhere. But look at what God says about it. Meditate on that. Make that real. Meditation does bring life to what we think about. Man, it brings life to what we think about. Write that down. It brings life to what we think about. Because that's important, folks. You, you, Because I see so many people not doing that. This, you know, if you walk up to them, they know everybody's faults, everybody's problems, everybody's this, everybody's that. But if you were meditating, the answer would bring life and abundant life to your heart, and that would be all you see. You know, you say, well, you know what? God's going to do this. God's working. I know God's working because he says he's working. His word says he's working. He works all of the time on the things that we need done and so when you meditate and keep your focus in on God and forget about what you see in the natural consider not you know some people are what I call um uh um <laughs> you know they're they're beat you know stain beaters they see one flaw and they beat it to death and beat it to death and beat it to death and beat it to death because they got to get rid of that one flaw you know and so you got to relax yourself let god be the one that takes care of shortcomings faults and everything sometimes people are not as bad as we say they are not as bad as we think they are they just have a different idea than we do and we consider it a threat and so God will, will, focusing on God, meditating on His answers to your situation, will make people less threatening to you than they really are. Sometimes we'll hear one errant word out of somebody and it just wrecks our whole day. And you've got to keep the word hidden in your heart so that you are wiser than your enemies. Amen. You've got to have wisdom above people who are acting out in a carnal way. And that's easy to do. All you gotta do is tap into God. You know, it's, it's easy to have wisdom in situations where people are acting out carnally. He says, I have more understanding than my teachers. Amen. That's pretty cool. Which means that there is no limit to what God can bring to you revelation wise. Teachers really plant the seed, but it's up to the student to meditate that thing out and bring life to it and bring reality to it. So it 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 is you know when Elijah and Elisha were were Elisha Elijah was getting ready to be taken up to heaven and Elisha asked him for a double portion of his spirit that spirit that was upon him. He said you've asked a hard thing because not many people even attain to the level of their teachers. But it says here meditation on, on God's law day and night makes you wiser, gives you more understanding than your teachers. So you're able to take what they give you and take it a step further. You know, you can take it into your life, make it make sense to your life, make it be a blessing to your life. And once it blesses your life, think about all the other people you can bless with the understanding that you get from the word. 
So it's, it's a precious thing to stay in meditation and keep your meditations in God's word. It says he has more understanding than his elders because not only does he meditate, but a natural byproduct of meditation is obedience to what you meditate on. So that word, that word will be obeyed if it's embraced by you and if it becomes a part of you through meditation. So God's word gets grafted in us through meditation. Amen. It will become a part of you, but you can't meditate on two opposite ideas at the same time. How many of us do that? You meditate on your health one minute and the next minute you grab the word for a minute and you think you've really made some impact. You can't meditate on two opposing ideas at the same time. That's called conflict. God does not work in an atmosphere of conflict. He works in an atmosphere of peace. So you've got to put a check on yourself and say, God, help me to stay focused on your word only in my meditation. Don't let me keep checking my body to see how it feels. Don't let me keep trying to, you know, get rid of pains in my body. Let me not consider those things, but consider my healing. Consider that by your stripes I am healed. Consider that you've already paid the price for my healing and you owe that to me. Amen. If it's paid for already, it's due you. You don't have to do anything to earn it. Uh, He owes that to you. He said that about the woman who was bowed over that he saw her in the temple. He said, ought not this daughter of Abraham, ought she not to be healed? In other words, he says, I owe her a healing. Amen. I owe her a healing. So God owes us. The things that he's promised. He owes us. We're not trying to earn them. We're not trying to be good enough for them to stay in our bodies. He owes that to us. He said that already. If he didn't owe it to us, he wouldn't have paid the price for it already. We'd still be trying to pay it ourselves. Amen. And so when you start meditating on the word, you get over into that realm where you understand, yeah, this is coming to me because it's paid for already. That that understanding will come to you unless you meditate on the word. You just can't listen to it a little bit while you're trying to focus on driving or trying to do something else. You've got to really take time to get aside with God and let that word continually flow into your mind and once it it starts to change your mind it'll start to challenge everything that comes against it instead of the other way around when symptoms are winning it's because that challenge has not been met with the word that's all you just got to understand that but continue to meditate on it and that word will get stronger and stronger every time you let it flow through your mind you don't have to have a Bible open to meditate. You can meditate with with just your remembrance of it. Just speak it to yourself and, and continue to say it to yourself so that it takes on life. Meditation brings life. Amen. It does. You, you can't have it. You just can't, you know, nod your head in agreement with the word when you hear it and think you got it all. 
You can take that word with you. You got to nurse that word. Let it nurse you. Let it become a part of you until you don't think anything opposite of that. Like if, if a pain comes to you, you should immediately start declaring that you're healed. You know, I know I, I sliced my finger one time messing around with something. We were at an empowerment meeting and I never looked at it. I didn't care to look at it. I, I wrapped it up in the paper towel and it hurt and throbbed and you know when by the time I did unwrap it the clot had formed you know what I'm saying you don't you keep looking at stuff it'll continue to entertain you you understand you don't sit up there watch yourself bleed all day long this is crazy and then you want to go to ER and get a stitch the only thing they're going to do is what I could do but with pressure is close it up and believe it's going to heal and start clotting and heal. By the time I got home, the clot had formed. I knew I was halfway there. You understand what I'm saying? And as it began to heal, I mean, I had sliced down pretty good. As it began to heal, there was a little ridge there, you know, where you could see where the two pieces of flesh had come together. I started believing God to fill that in. Let's sit up here with no crazy scar. Amen. It's his stripes that heal me. My stripes don't do nothing for me. Understand? His stripes heal me. And so a lot of times we're a little funny about ourselves. We're very careful about ourselves. You know, we hurt. It's just, you know, I gotta nurse myself. I'm so hurt. You know, you need to meditate on healing even more when you feel that way about yourself. Sometimes we're a little too touchy about you know, pains and, and things that afflict us. It takes our whole day over. You know, our whole attention goes to that. And it shouldn't be that way. You should understand that you're healed. I don't care what happens to you. You're healed anyway. And so we, we have to stay in that place of meditating on God's word. Amen? Amen. So meditation is the power that brings the word to life. And that's what you want to do. And understand that. So when you get home, you're not confused about, well, should I put the word on or should I put on a healing tape or should I read the Bible or should I do? No, just meditate in your word. It's what brings that word to life. Amen. And as much as you can meditate on it and as much as you can make contact with God through worship and through thanksgiving, then that's the more power that that word will get on the inside of you. And, and the Bible says you can be healed at any time. There's no season. You don't have to wait a certain length of time and all this kind. Of, get that out of your mind. You can be healed at any time. But you need to start meditating. Do the things that are going to bring healing to you. Amen. So meditation, we say, is the power that brings the word to life. David said his word was sweet. And it was his meditation all day long. I hear people say, well, I like the word. And then you want to hear that, but, but I don't like it that much. You understand what I'm saying? They think there's an overdue here. Some, you know, it's overdoing it. So Christians are so careful about overdoing the things of God. We're too careful about that. Can't overdo meditating on the word. You kidding me? Get out and overdo it so you can help somebody. When you get an overdue, you get overflow. And you can help somebody else with what you receive from God. Amen? So, Psalm 119.97, he said, Your testimonies are my meditation. The things that God has done. If you keep those in your mind, you won't get discouraged about what's going on in your life. 
You think about what God has done. You think about the good things that he's done. Not just in your life. Anybody. Things you read in the Bible. Those are great testimonies. In fact, those are the best ones. Because they're not limited to your experience with people who have had God do things for them. You can get, you can get in the word and get good testimonies anytime. And I encourage that because you'll get the best understanding. What God does for one person, he does for everybody. He's no respecter person, so don't limit miracles to Abraham and Sarah or, or, uh, Joseph or somebody like that don't limit your miracles to people because that was them and this is you this is you child of God with the same kind of faith in fact you got a better covenant so what's your problem huh so you need to identify with everybody that has success in God's word success is always an indication of having done the right thing. You track down what these people did to get their success in God and that will put you on the right road and begin to meditate on that. I remember years ago, uh, I I was asked by somebody I knew in the church we were in, her boss's wife had um, cancer, uterine cancer and she said, I've been praying for her. She said, and I, I just feel like if you could go by and pray for her and, and minister to her, it would help her. And so I did. And, um, I prayed for her and she, she wasn't spirit filled. Um, but, but you know, God can heal people if they're not spirit filled, right? Okay. The word, he said, his word heals. Oh. It's easier sometimes if you are, but then it's harder some ways too. There's no easy road to get healed. You understand? It's the same road for everybody. And that's in faith in God's word. And so um, I prayed with her and she said, I'd ask the Lord, am I saved? You know, and I thought, man, you know, it's, she's equating salvation with absence of disease. You understand what I'm saying? It's like if I'm saved, I shouldn't have cancer. If I'm saved, this shouldn't happen to me. If I'm saved, this shouldn't happen to me. You know, kind of superstitious way of living a life of faith. Faith and superstition cannot abide. They're, 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 they would fight each other too much. You can't be superstitious about your life and have faith too. You can't live your life trying to ward off certain things from happening to you and live your life too. You know, there there are challenges that come to us all, no matter what age we live in, how old we are, how young we are. We're all going to have our, our fair amount of challenges. And so if we will stay focused on what God has said, not what happened to us, what God has said, not what somebody told us, what God has said, not what the other thing is then we can successfully meet every single challenge and do it in victory and so God gave me the scripture for her about the woman with the issue of blood because these tumors cause bleeding in her and uh, I told her I said you know the Lord's telling me to tell you to read this scripture and meditate on it three times a day 
I said, until the bleeding stops. And so a couple of weeks later, I went back to see her, and we prayed again, and I asked her how she was feeling, and she said, oh, I'm doing a little better, and and she was going to go to the doctor and get some more tests done. And I said, well, I said, how's the bleeding situation? She said, oh, it stopped. You, You see, and and so these things of meditating will cause them to come to pass. I don't care what it is you want, who says you can't have it, what's stopping you from getting it. Meditation will make it so. That thing will so come alive in you that it will not be stopped in its manifestation. You got me? It won't be stopped. And so your answer to everything is to make that word as real and alive in you as you can. That's your job. It's not somebody else's job to do their part to complete your happily ever after. It's your job to make sure that you're in God's word where that's concerned, that you're doing your part and building your faith in the word of God through meditation. And so meditation enhances our spiritual output. You want to do more for God? You want to... Win more souls, you want to get more open doors to ministry, whatever you want to do. It comes through meditation. Meditation puts you in the place of action of that thing that you desire. It does. It just moves you out of the have-nots over into the haves. And so you can change your residence, spiritually speaking, through meditation. It enhances your spiritual output. It enhances the power that's behind your words. It enhances your your uh, ability to expect good things. It enhances your faith for sure. Spiritual digestion means we absorb the truth of the word and locate the mysteries within the word. So meditation opens up mysteries. Amen. And so Mysteries. Amen. I said mysteries. So it opens up mysteries in God. These are things that you didn't know were there. You have no idea of their existence. And when you first come in contact with them, they are great puzzling things to you. And so meditation helps unlock mysteries. Meditation, if you've ever watched you know, if you, if you, uh, say if you get a little science book and they have different drawings of what happens to a seed when it goes from a seed to a real plant, it'll show you that the seed has a tough outer coating on it which protects the inner life of the seed. That has to be broken off so that the life that is within can find root, can find nourishment, can start to grow. It's the same thing with the seed of the word. That's why God calls it a seed. It comes to us with a hard shell on it. Hard shell word is what I call rote memorization. Like you can quote a scripture, but you don't live it, you don't do it, you don't know what it means. Because it just is a hard shell in your in your memory. Your memory is different from your spirit. Your memory can be your carnal man. I I had a, a girlfriend that <clears throat> I used to talk to a lot and she was telling me uh 
about her husband. He was Jamaican. And she said, oh, that man gets on my nerves. He knows all them scriptures. He don't live nothing. He can quote you the Bible and don't even go to church and, and makes fun of Christians. Oh, well, he's memorized it. See what I'm saying? It never sunk in. So you can memorize the whole Bible and it not make sense to you and it not sink in. Why? You don't meditate on it. And you'll have a pure heart to deposit it in. And that's the other. The soil of your heart has to be right. It has to be fertile for it to get deposited through meditation. Other than that, you're just thinking scripture all day long and it's not going anywhere. Amen. So you have to open your heart to receive the word. Let the word get grafted in there. And the way that happens is you mix it with faith. You know, even if you have to talk to yourself, God, I choose to believe this. I know this is true, Lord. I choose to believe your word and help me to get more understanding of it. Just show me what's in here, Lord. Please show me what's in here. Sometimes God will test you and and help you. To be able to query him and to get understanding of things. I know God would give me uh, a title for a teaching. And I wouldn't have a clue where I was going to go with the first idea for that. He didn't give me a scripture. He didn't give me his title. And so I had to investigate in him and question him and query him for him to give me the rest of it. And, you know, sometimes it would be down to the wire. And I'm thinking, come on, God, give me, (laughs) you know, how old I am, you know, that kind of stuff. You want to beg for, but I knew it was in there somewhere. See, the answer was in there somewhere because I've been down this road with him a little bit. And so, but he's challenging me to dig deeper in him. Because listen, you can open up the Bible and you can get your three points. You can get a good passage of scripture and get three points and preach all day long. But God wants to challenge his servants to dig for revelation. That's one way he does it with me. I don't know if he does that with you. It doesn't have to be that way. But he does that with me. So there will be times where answers may not come to you until you begin to meditate. Until you sit things aside Take God seriously and say, God, I must have an answer for this. I don't want to leave this place without you being able to open up my understanding in this thing. I must have it. Amen. And God will give it to you. He'll give it to you. Man, if he can't give it to you, then it will come because you put it out there. You've asked for it and it will come. So meditation, we said, opens up mysteries. It's part of your spiritual digestion. Amen. So in spiritual digestion, what did we say we do? We absorb the truth of the word. Amen. And make note of that because, you know, we just want to grab something real quick and have all our problems solved. You're not going to get it like that. You have to spend time with God. And, and if your spiritual digestion is not complete, You're going to have to complete that. That word has to be ingested into your spirit. It has to be broken down, just like food is broken down, into little atoms and all that kind of stuff. The only thing with the word of God, there's no waste. Amen. So we absorb the truth of the word of God and we locate the mysteries within. It is a vital force 
to bring revelation, meditation is the vital force. We find what's missing through meditation. Through absorption, there comes nourishment and there also comes healing. So when Proverbs 4.20 tells us to, to attend to my word, incline thine ear to my sayings, let it not depart from thine eyes. That's a meditation process. Meditation is paying attention, listening. Don't let it depart from your eyes. Keep it in the midst of your heart. Those four things. So write them down, please. Pay attention. Focus. Keep your eyes on it. Don't let it depart. In other words, don't go off and look at something else you think is a better answer. And then keep it in the midst of your heart. It's to get into your heart, folks, where it can do some good. This is probably some of the reason for not getting answers to prayer. It's not embedded deep enough in us to where it drives out what's not like it. So when we talk about words that heal, it has to get deep enough in your spirit to drive out the sickness that's in your soul and in your flesh. So meditation is what is the process by which we are healed. Meditating day and night, make your way prosperous, you have good success. I mean day and night. Don't leave the word because the kids are at home from school now. And you know, you just go get and sit in front of TV, have some dinner, all that kind of stuff. Don't leave the word because something happens different in your atmosphere. Challenge yourself to take that word with you in front of the television. Prophesy to the old crazy box. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Let let that word praise God. Let that word do something for you that only the word can do. Amen. So that's that's how we keep that. Amen. That's how we keep that. So we find what's missing through meditation. Amen. There are missing elements that we need. So this is a great quest of your life is for that word to come alive to you, for mysteries to be revealed to you, hidden things that cannot be revealed to your carnal man are only revealed to your spirit man. You want to be able to to receive those things from God. That's where the real life of God is. It's in the deep kernels of the seed. Amen. So it allows that word to be absorbed into our being. It becomes a part of us. And and the word will be absorbed in the areas that it is called to correct. Amen. And so when you have things that are not correct in your understanding, 
meditating on the word will cause that word to get in there and root things out of you that don't need to be there. You can affect your own healing anytime. In fact, that's the best word to get healing is through meditation on the fact that you are healed. It has to wash out all the stuff you've been told about yourself. All the stuff society tells us about, oh, you know, when you get a certain age, you're going to get this and you're going to get that. That's a fight within itself. Amen. I remember Joan Rivers. I felt so bad when and the way she died was just, and I thought to myself, I said, you know what, God? I said, she was such a fighter. The devil had to get her to sleep before he could take her out of here or she'd be her now. You know what I'm saying? And so somebody was interviewing her and she she looked at him and she said, well, every day I get up, it's a battle. And she just looked and stared him straight in the face. You know, he was talking about, well, you battled all your life. You're one of the first female, um, you know, comedians to be on this show and that. And she said, well, every day is a battle. You understand what I'm saying? So. So anyway, it is to a large degree for us too, and you gotta arm yourself through meditating on that word. Just having heard a scripture and it being familiar to you is not enough. That is such a superficial level to live on. You gotta get this word inside of you. Amen? So, um, uh, I'll give you a good definition of meditation so we can all be on the same page with that. To meditate means to consider. It also means to talk of. So you talk within yourself and you talk out loud when you meditate. It also means to sigh. And when you sigh, it means you're thinking about something. It means to sing, to commune, to pray. It also means to muse, and that is to use your imagination to put yourself into what you're meditating on. For instance, if you're meditating on healing, muse about the fact that you are healed. See yourself whole again. See yourself healed again. See yourself complete. It also means to complain. You can speak to God and tell him what a complaint really is a, um, a, a discussion of something that's not right in your life. Yeah, complaint. Like in a court of law, complainant is somebody who has a beef with somebody else. You know, this person did me wrong. The law says that they shouldn't have done it. And so I want relief. You know, I want satisfaction. I want vindication, that kind of thing. So the complaint in meditation means that you want to be vindicated for your lack of understanding. Okay. God, I'm out here and I'm trying to do the best I can and I'm, I'm missing some things. I gotta locate my stuff and, and vindicate me. And I, that's your complaint. And so that includes, that's part of meditation too. So don't think that you can't express your feelings of frustration, your feelings of feeling lost, out of sorts, whatever it is, because 
in that place of meditation, you want to take care of all that. The good, the bad, the ugly, the indifferent, the mediocre, the great things, the high life, the low life, all of that. You want to take care of that in the space of meditation. Meditation can be a closet that you create. You can create a closet between you and God where you uh, meditate uh, more than pray, but you know you seek understanding, wisdom, guidance, all of those things. That's where your life is made rich. It's enriched through meditation to think about things. There's some some groups that don't want their people to think very much. They just want you to repeat things that they hear you say. And that's never Christianity. I remember when we went through the word of faith movement and you felt you found Christians telling, Well, don't confess that. Don't say that. That's wrong. You know, that's I mean, that's not a way to help them, you know, to get the right answer. But if we walk around just religiously correcting each other all the time, that doesn't give that person a chance to solve that problem for themselves. So prayer for them to get their own answer and then meditation for them to come up with the right answer. Once that person comes up with that answer themselves, you know, they're in there. It's it's a lock, you know, so it'll that'll work better than trying to be their corrector, be the Holy Spirit in their life. Uh, let people alone and let them find it in God. Have enough respect for them and for God. See, they belong to God. They don't belong to one another. And have enough respect for them and God to pray and ask God, God, can you show so-and-so this or show so-and-so that and, and that kind of stuff. And, and just have faith that God knows what they need and, and God's going to help that. Many times our correction of one another falls on deaf ears. People don't have to listen to you. And sometimes that's why it takes so long for change to happen. Because they've tuned out of your your voice. If your voice isn't the voice of God to them, it's a foreign voice. And they may not embrace it. They may not be able to accept it. So so we have to be wise ourselves uh, in that and, and understand that God does have a process to help people to make the change and make it permanent. I'm not saying we don't know what we need for each other to change, but let that be a process between them and God, you know, and people, if you you find yourself being criticized, don't just take it wrong all the time. Take it to God and God, is there something to this? You know, maybe I need to make some changes and, and those changes need to be done. So there is a peaceful way uh, for that to be handled and meditate. But meditation on the thing, the right thing to do will cause it to manifest. If that person doesn't have a chance to let that be incorporated into their being, They'll probably stop for a season and then it'll come back again. And so you want to ask God to help them to find his answer and make it permanent. Amen. So so the situation can be helped. So in Matthew 15, if you'll turn there in verse 29. Let me see. Is that what I want? Yeah, Jesus departed from thence and came nigh into the Sea of Galilee and went up to a mountain and sat down there. So Jesus 
needed time to meditate. When it said he went up to a mountain and sat down, man, he went up by himself. And so meditation is always a solitary activity. It's an activity between you and God. Now, there is a place for sharing as well, but it's not the same thing. It doesn't take the place of meditation. Meditation is a solitary place between you and God where the working out of revelation in the spirit is carried out for you. It's done through meditation. After that, of course, great multitudes followed him, but he sure went up there to meditate in God. Genesis 24 I think it's verse 63. Isaac went out to meditate in the field at the evening. And he lifted up his eyes and saw, and behold, the camels were coming. So he meditated, and guess who he saw? wonder what he was meditating on. You know, at this point, uh, his father had sent one of their servants to uh, some kindred of theirs to find a wife for him. And I'm sure Isaac probably went out into that field every night and meditated on his wife. Amen. You meditate on what you want. You don't make up your mind you're never going to get it and quit thinking about it. That's what frustrates people. You can't stop your mind from going where God wants it to go. You, you can't do that. So you have to be careful to meditate and and get these things, let them have freedom in your soul. Let them have free exercise of meaning before God. Give yourself an opportunity to get full disclosure about things from God, and that happens through meditation. You won't get it by making up your mind. It's too late, or you can't have it, or... That time has passed or, you know, it's not for you anymore. If it was ever for you, it's still for you. So allow yourself the freedom to meditate on that and allow yourself the ability to let that thing get nurtured so that it can gain life and gain strength and be birthed out. And so that's what Isaac did. He went out into the field to meditate. At the evening, and he lifted up his eyes and saw, and behold, the camels were coming. And Rebecca lifted up her eyes when she saw Isaac, and she got off that camel, girl. She jumped down off that camel and said, hey, you got me? Meditation causes a proper connection with the reality of your promise. You see? He his eyes connected with hers, and it was love at first sight. That's what I, I mean, that's what I would conclude from this little episode here. But he went out every night thinking about, I wonder what she's going to look like. I wonder if he found somebody for me. Is this my time? Am I going to have to wait longer? All that kind of stuff. He poured that out in his thoughts to God. 
And one night he went out there and lo and behold, she was there at the time of meditation. See, that's, that's the way you get a lock on it with God. It's like, God, this is my appointment with my wife every night. And he went out there and he meditated probably every night looking for that appointment. And then at that appointed time she showed up. Amen. So a meditation will connect you with the thing that you desire. Always. Unless you're crazy enough to think about something you don't want all the time, then you got a problem. Because there's enough things in the Bible that you can have that you can spend your time meditating in a positive way. Uh, fearful people let, let the, the disappointment of not having things drive them nuts. You got me? You can't let that run your life. You can't let God run your life. And he runs your life through meditating on his word. Don't give the devil uh, power by meditating on what you don't have, what you wish you had, what you're still waiting on. Just get an answer from God. See, that's what we're scared of. We're so accustomed to complaining out to the wind. You know, let your complaint be done on the inside of the word. That word will start to feed you. That word will be good to you. That word will bring you life. It will bring you life in your meditation. So Isaac went out to meditate in the field. In John 7, we see Jesus meditating again. Seven verse fifty three. Yeah, we'll start in verse forty five. How's that? Wait a minute. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm over in eight. Start in verse 1. Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Early in the morning he came again to the temple. See the Mount of Olives? He's either praying or meditating up there. Early in the morning. It's so important you pray before trying to do anything for anybody. Meditate in the Word. Spend time with God. Early in the morning he came again to the temple and all the people came to him and he sat down and taught them. And the scribes and the Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery and they had set her in the midst they said to him master this woman was taken in adultery in the very act now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned what sayest thou yeah unless it's your girlfriend you know I just like to embellish things a little bit this they said tempting him that they might have something to accuse him of Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. Now, stooping down writing on the ground, that was how teachers taught. That's how rabbis taught their students. So Jesus is like, hey, you know, I'm a teacher. I'm doing my thing. Y'all got to do something else to get my attention. They throw this woman out there and think they're going to disturb him. 
You know how the devil is. He finds somebody doing something they always do and he wants to make a big deal out of it. And so he says, he kept writing as though he heard them not. So they continued asking him. He lifted himself up and said to them, He that is without sin among you, let him cast a stone at her first. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. So he just continued being a rabbi. And they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst of them. And when Jesus had lifted up himself, and saw no one but the woman, he said, Woman, where are those that accuse you? Has no man condemned you? And she said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you, but stop it. Not only that sin, but any other sin you're doing, just stop it. And so many people will take this as an instance of Jesus being light on sin. You know, you'll hear people that are not living right in the church. Well, the woman in in adultery. Yeah, but she was on her way to dying. He He spared her from the death penalty. Amen. Because Jesus brought mercy into the law. And not just the law. He was the mercy added to the law. That's what you see him expressing all the time. That's the new covenant. And so what they did, actually, these uh, Pharisees weren't even going through the proper procedure for having her condemned. They should have taken her to the elders at the gate where they would give her a proper trial. They would call for witnesses. Hello? Where's the man? Right. And what Jesus was doing here was introducing the new covenant because under the new covenant, we don't stone people to death. We move them to repentance so that they can confess, get born again and live. And so he is letting them know that the old law has been done away with something better is here. This is how he got into trouble so much because he was so merciful and he was forgiving toward people. And the Pharisees just wanted, when they didn't even really respect all of the law. They just did the part that they felt they could either make money off of or get rid of somebody because of it. You know, they were perverting the law. They weren't faithful judges. And so that's really what was done away with. Jesus couldn't find anybody to carry out the law faithfully. And so when you have that, you got a system that needs to be done away with. And, and it was done away with at the cross. So um, Jesus was able to avert a disaster here. Amen. He often meditated and reasoned his way out of difficult situations. Amen. Let me see if I can find the example I had. Amen, amen, amen. This example in John 7, I'll read it anyway. I was reading it kind of fast. I wanted to see if it was the one I wanted. 
Verse 45, Then came the officers to the chief priests and Pharisees, and they said to them, Why have you not brought him? The officers answered, Never a man spoke like this man. Then answered them the Pharisees, Are you also deceived? Have any of the rulers of the Pharisees believed on him? But this people who know the law not are cursed. Nicodemus said to them, he was the one who came to Jesus by night, being one of them. He does, does our law judge any man before it hears him and knows what he does? They answered and said to him, are you also of Galilee? Search and look, for out of Galilee, uh, Galilee arises no prophet, and every man went unto his own house. So Jesus was able to outwit and outthink even the smartest, well they call smart, religious leaders of the day. Amen. Because he, he lived a life of integrity before God. He lived a life where he spent time with the Father. And he was able to draw wisdom from the Father anytime he needed to. But he also had to spend time meditating. Now when you're used to heaven and you're on earth, you gotta have a place where you can clear your head, you know, and get back to heavenly things. So, um, Man's ways are often based on emotion and impulse. And meditation takes care of both of those. Joshua 1.8 challenges us. He says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. In other words, Joshua, if you want to do a good job, if you want to be successful, if you want to avoid all the problems that you saw Moses run into, you got me? Sometimes having a leader over you can be good and bad. You see their faults, their flaws, plus their successes. But God said it shall not depart out of your mouth. In other words, don't start confessing what you see, Joshua. Don't start confessing what you're afraid of. Don't start saying anything contrary to what this word says. You see what I'm talking about? Because you can pick up the natural realm just as easily and start giving life and credence to that and and mix your faith in with what you see in the natural. So he says, It shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night. In other words, don't just pick a time to get close to God and then go do what you want to the rest of the day. Meditate in day and night. Amen. Keep him with you at all times. And therein you will make your way prosperous and do according to what's written in it. So there's a purpose to meditation that you follow through on what you think. If the word says that you go here and not there, then you go here. You don't go there and say God understands. And so you have to follow up on what you meditate on. He says if you observe and do. What's written in it, if you meditate in it, and that's how you, you train your mind to tell your limbs what to do through meditation. And he says you'll make your way prosperous and have good success. And God says, haven't I told you to be strong and of good courage? Well, this is how you get it. How do you get strength and good courage? Through meditating on the word, making it a part of you, speaking it, speaking it in the situations where you find that they are contrary to the word. You speak the word into those situations. You don't sit up and worry three days because your kid talks back to you. 
You declare that this child is the seed of the righteous. They obey all authority over them. They will prosper. They will be mighty in the earth. The generation of the upright is blessed. Amen. You don't take nonsense. And you don't put up with the devil's nonsense. You don't worry about stuff. You don't worry. Don't waste your mind in worry. Worry won't generate life. I'll say it again. Worry does not generate life. Now we think that means we care. No, your carnal man thinks, well, who's going to worry about it if I don't? Nobody. Because it's not a worry situation. Now, worry is not proper if you belong to God. Prayer and meditation is. You keep find it coming back to your mind. You go get your scripture and let your mind land on that all day long. Amen. And then do it again tomorrow. And then do it again the day after. And do it again the day after. Amen. So from Psalm 1, there are benefits to meditation day and night. Psalm 1 tells you, blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. And that means the ungodly part of your mind. Your worries, your fears, your what's wrong with everybody and what's wrong with you. Uh, You're not to meditate in that. man. You're to use your mind. To gather together the thoughts of God. To gather together hope and optimism. Things that nourish your soul and make it healthy. And make it able to withstand pressure, withstand everything. So blessed is the person, the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. That means choose your company well. Choose spiritual people. Nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Man, so you can't company with sinners and people who are scornful make fun of everything. You know, they don't think anything is worthwhile and oh, that I I did that before that didn't happen and scorn. The Bible says if you cast out a scorner, you get rid of the root of trouble. So, you know, you can be embracing the wrong type of soul. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. Now this is what you like. You like the law of the Lord. And in that law you meditate day and night. And this is what happens. You'll be like a tree planted by rivers of water. And you'll bring forth fruit in its season. Just like a tree. You'll be stable in it. You'll have a continual feed into your spirit of things that are nourishing for your life. And whatsoever you do will prosper. Your leaf shall not wither. In other words, you won't get faint because of the heat that you're under in your life. Amen. And then you, and he says, and whatever you do will prosper. Can't get better than that. I would say it's worth it. Just for that. And it says, you won't run out of answers in life if you stay planted. Amen. You stay the day and night meditation means you don't run out of life's answers. It brings an unending source of life and nourishment to you. Everything you do works. Now wicked people don't meditate on God's word, so don't have any doings with them. You know, if they're not mature enough to give you a spiritual answer, just say thanks but no thanks, you know, or say, oh, I'll pray about it and don't. You know, <laughs> you know how we do. 
But don't engage with that. But keep your mind pure. Keep your thought life pure. Keep your mind washed. That word that you uh, you meditate on. Meditation is like putting your clothes in the washer. It agitates them. Gets all the dirt out. Gets some clean. Spanking clean. Amen. And so that washer of the word is what meditation does that. You, you stay focused on it for a good, good amount of time. And it brings great benefits to you. Meditate with God. Ask Him things. God, show me this. I, I've been curious about this. Show me what you want me to know from this scripture. You know, you don't have to ask Him precise questions. Open your heart up. God, show me what you want me to know. And be willing to receive it. When he gives it to you. And don't be afraid to ask. Many times we fear what God's going to say. Because we're scared it's going to commit us to do something. You know. Don't be afraid of God. He He won't give you more than you can handle. That's for sure. It'll be for your benefit. Amen. Father thank you for your word and for understanding. Thank you Lord that your word is good. Your mercy endures forever. Thank you Lord that you are good. Thank you Lord that as we meditate in you. It brings life to what we desire. I thank you that you've answered some questions for us today. You know, don't refuse what God's telling you is what he's telling me to tell you. Just accept this. You know, there's more to do is what he's saying. And you found out what that more is. So just continue to study and meditate in him. And the things you desire will have more life. And they'll be able to come to pass because of the life that's in it. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Amen. If anybody needs prayer, come on up. I'll pray for you. I'll pray here for you.